You know, it's our second anniversary uh, today, and when we come to days like this in your worship guide, one of the things that you can read there, it talks about, you know, two is just a number, uh, and it is a number. Uh, it's not a lonely number like one, but uh, it's, a, it's a number. But, uh, you know, we come to days like this, and we love to celebrate. I do. Um, and every number really represents something. This is not necessarily what the number meanings are and things like that, but for me, numbers represent lives. They represent stories. Um, and so I want us to, to take a few minutes here and just hear one of the stories of something that God's been doing over the last several months. Um, I'm going to ask Matt Bayer to come. I think Matt might be backstage. I don't know where he's at. Yep, Matt's coming. Matt um, plays in our band. Um, he actually helped to lead worship today. Sean is not feeling great, so we want to continue to pray for him. But um, Matt helped lead worship today. He plays in our band regularly. He and his wife, Keisha, have been attending here for, uh, for a few months um, and, uh, and we just wanted to take an opportunity maybe to share uh, Matt's story today. And this is just representative of other stories like many of you have um, as well. But Matt, you had something pretty cool, um, some things going on in your life a few months ago um, that really culminated in you showing up here one Sunday. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, back in September, if any of you have ever worked in um, retail or have retail experience, you know that the weekends are your busy time. And um, for seven years, I've worked in retail and retail management. Um, and it really hindered my ability to be involved in the church. And um, that coupled with uh, a couple of things that I had gone through, some experiences that I had, and I just wasn't going to church at all. Um, wasn't really interested, didn't feel like I needed it at the time. Um, but I got to a place where I wasn't happy with my job anymore, and um, I was ready to resign. And, um, but my prayer kept, kept being, um, God, I know you have something for me. Give it to me so that I can take the leap of faith. Um, and so I went into work one day ready for the phone call. I knew today was a day I felt like God was doing something. Um, and sure enough, before we opened up, my phone rang. And um, I was really excited because it was an Atlanta number. I didn't recognize it. I knew this was it. And I answered it. And it uh, wasn't exactly what I was expecting. It was Sean, our worship leader here. Um, and I had never met Sean. I knew nothing of him. Um, no offense, Sean. I, I, <laughs> um, but he, he explained that, you know, he was in a pinch. He needed a bass player. And um, some of you might know Brett Mays from the Marietta campus. He was my youth pastor growing up, actually. And so Brett had given Sean my number and told him to call me. Um, it just so happened that I was off work that Sunday, um, which was the first time at that point, the first time in like two months that I was off. And so I, I agreed to do it. And I showed up here and, uh, the door was open for some things to happen. So you showed up to church that Sunday. You, you got this phone call thinking it was maybe a job offer, a job opportunity, and it ends up, unfortunately, being Sean. And um, <laughs> I, that's what you said, right? I think. I, I think I um, <laughs> but so Sean calls, and he needs a bass player. So you show up to church that day. Just gonna, you're just going to play the bass, and something pretty cool happened when you when you got to church that day. Yeah. Well, the first thing that happened was in the parking lot. I was greeted by by Jeremy and some of the other people. Um, coming in, and they were really positive, really um, energetic, and happy to see me, which was um, which was really nice and encouraging. So, played through the worship set. It was awesome to play with such talented musicians that we have here, um, because when you're a musician, that makes it easier. Um, so that was really great. Um, sat down in my chair. Some of my family was here, and um, you know, just ready to to go, pretty much. Um, but Jeremy started talking, and, and that at that time he was going through a series in. Um, the Lord's Prayer. And that particular week was the give us this day our daily bread passage. And um, he told a story of a missionary that he knew of who um, had gone out into the missions field but had saved up enough money to, to go home 
and start over if need be. And their ministry wasn't fruitful, and they weren't sure what was happening, and so they started praying. And they just really felt like God told them, if you trust me, you trust what I'm doing, you trust the ministry that I've laid out for you, um, why do you have the savings account? And uh, that I've been in a lot of church services in my life, and that one, that story, that sermon really just like pierced my heart. And I felt like, okay, so the prayer that I've been saying of, God, give me the job so that I can leave, um, was so lacking the faith that I should have. Um, so the next day, I went into work and turned to my resignation. Let's stop right here. Don't do that. <laughs> That's not what I was preaching on. That was the Holy Spirit, okay? Don't blame me. Okay, back to that. Right. So that led to a few weeks of unemployment, so don't do that. <laughs> um, but no, what that opened up the door for was an opportunity to work with uh, my father-in-law, who's here today. Um, an opportunity opened up at his company that was a good fit for me. Um, it's going to present some opportunities going forward, but the biggest opportunity that it's presented is I can commit to being here on Sundays mm. and being involved in the church, and that's something that I haven't done um, in years. So. That's awesome. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so after you were there that Sunday, you, you resigned. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> And, and, and so you leave that day, and then you just you started coming back. You started playing in the band. You started attending on Sundays even when you weren't playing. Um, and what has God really done in you and even in your wife, your family? What, what's God been doing, and, and how has this place really provided an opportunity for you to kind of find a home here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, first and foremost, the most visible thing is obviously that I get to be up here most weeks uh, leading worship, and that means a lot to me. That is um, one of my passions, um, and I appreciate the opportunity from you guys to do that. Um, but also going forward, Keisha and myself, um, being a part of this church, we've gone through North life. Um, we're officially members of the church. We plan on being around for a while. So get used to us. Um, we look forward to building relationships. Um, and as we come out of the holiday season, Keisha also works in retail. So her schedule is opening up a little bit so we can be a little more involved. And we really just look forward to the things that God is doing in us at North, at Mount Perrin North Canton. And also the things God's doing in the church and us getting to be an opportunity to do that and to be a part of that. That's awesome. I just love the progression of the story where I think, you know, where God, he hadn't been in church for, you haven't been in church for several years for a variety of reasons. Um, and then as luck would have it, you have the Sunday off, we need a bass player. And then what God did through that ministry time that morning and then what God's done in you guys. And I said to Matt when we were talking earlier, uh, I guess maybe yesterday, just about today. And I said, you know, there's two things I'm excited about. I love giving the opportunity for people just to share their story um, because I, that's a part of our vision. It's a part of who we are. Sharing the story is one of four components of why we do what we do and how we do that. And so I love the opportunity that, that he has and other people have just to share their story. But second of all, it really helps to solidify what we're doing. We, we, we came to this community to really connect to people that were not really attending church, that were unchurched or de-churched or just not really involved in church. And that's really why God sent us to this place. And, and we believe that. And so I love that. And he said something really great. And I told him I, I might not even give him credit for it, but I will now. Um, he said something great. He said, even beyond that, a story like this, what he loves about the story is really the connecting piece is, you know, we're portable, we're here on Sundays, and it's a little difficult sometimes to maybe form community. And so he, he used a phrase that I love. He said, you know, those micro-relationships, those micro-conversations, we never know who's coming in on a Sunday 
and where they're coming from and what their history is, what their story is. But we get the opportunity to interact with them and just share life with them. And I love that. Um, and so, Matt, thanks for sharing your story. We're excited that you and Keisha and your family are here. Can we give him a hand for sharing his story today? Well done, Matt. You know, uh, I just... I, I've sensed for several months, um, with, along with our staff, that, that God was really uh, doing something in us as a, as a community here at, at Mount Perry North, and, and, and specifically at this campus where we spend the majority of our time and, and ministry. And um, A couple months ago, we really felt like the Lord was leading us to start this year off with a 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're going to talk a little more about that at the end of the service today. But a lot of that just came out of a desire you know, that God's been doing some good things in us. Um, there's been a season of transition this year with our staff and um, a lot of different things, new people coming in. And um, we, we just sensed that God was doing things and God was setting us up to do things. But we have a lot to celebrate as we look back over the last two years and really over the last year. Um, over the last two years, we celebrate two, you know, two years today. Over the last two years, we have seen 76 people give their life to Christ Amen. as it relates to salvation, Praise which God. is awesome. Yeah. 42 of those have just been in the last 12 months, which to me is really, really exciting. And again, two is just a number. Right. 42 is just a number, except that every one of those numbers is a story. It's a life. It's somebody. And some of you are a part of that 42 or a part of that 76. And God has just really grabbed a hold of your heart and transformed your life. And that's something to celebrate. Um, you know, when we talk about our vision and we talk about the strategy of ministry here, we talk about how you can really get connected here outside of maybe a Sunday morning. Life groups are a prime spot for us to do that. And so uh, over the last 12 months, we've had about 120 people that have come out of a Sunday morning and jumped into a life group opportunity, a smaller group setting somewhere outside of this building, maybe in a home, maybe in a restaurant, maybe at our office warehouse complex that we have. And they've jumped into a life group opportunity, really connected with people. And about 40 of that number are brand new to life groups in just the last 12 months. And that's something to be celebrated because it's people jumping into Christian community. We talk about volunteering. We talk about serving others, which is a part of, of our vision as well. And um, over the last 12 months, again, we've had about 120 or 30 people that have served either on Sunday mornings or they've served on Wednesday nights in our student environments or they've served in one of our outreach opportunities in the community. And about 40 of those people served for the very first time this calendar year, just in the last 12 months which for us is something to be celebrated. You know, again, it's just a number. Each of those is just a number, except that that number represents you. It's your life. You served for the first time this year, some of you. You got into a life group for the first time this year. And I know there are some of you that you're sitting there and you say, well, I mean, that's not me. I attend, I attend on Sundays, but I haven't been saved here. I'm not really in a life group here. I'm not really in a serving team or serving opportunity here, but that's okay because you're a part of us. Every Sunday we count and you're in that number you're a part of the numbers that we celebrate. You know, we try to do outreach things in our community. And over the last two years, we celebrated this a little bit on our 100th Sunday back in November. But over the last two years, this body, this group of people, we've given over $20,000 to missions and to community outreach to help plant two churches and some other churches overseas and to support our missionaries. And that's just a number, except it's a number to be celebrated which I think is really, really cool. We did our Angel Tree Salvation Army uh, project this year where Salvation Army helps provide Christmas for children in our community. And um, last year, they served in the community, not just through our church, but through other organizations and churches and social service organizations and just individuals. They served about 280 children providing Christmas for them. 
This year, they served about 350 um, children for Christmas. And of those numbers, Mount Perry North Canton was responsible for providing Christmas to 80 of those kids. That's incredible. I mean, it was cool to me over the course of maybe November and December to walk into the lobby and see you rolling in bicycles, you know, to see you bringing in a little kid's guitar, to see you bringing in, you know, toddler sized puzzles. I mean, well, maybe it's just your puzzle. I don't know. The pieces were really big, but I loved watching you bring those things in because what you were doing is you were saying we exist for more than just what happens in this room. We exist, we came into this community to affect change in this community. And so we want to provide Christmas for some kids that maybe we won't ever meet. And those are just numbers, except that every one of those kids is a name. And it's a story. And you're a name, and you're a story, and you have a story to tell. And I love that these statistics, these numbers that we've looked at over the last few minutes, very quickly represent the things. They're just a small portion of what God has been doing in and through us over the last two years. And I have an incredible sense. I, I don't just say this. Maybe, I don't know what your experience has been with preachers. I, I don't know. We're, we're, by and large, we're a good people. You know, we're, we're, we're good. But I have a sense. I don't know why that was funny. But we, we, I, I have had a sense. I'm not kidding. For, for several months that God was just setting us up that this coming year, and I think it's written there in the worship guide, and I know that because I wrote it, that this next year is an incredible, pivotal year for us as a campus for a lot of reasons. There's a prayer card in your worship guide related to our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and those three things that we're focused on are salvation, spiritual awakening, and a permanent location for us as a campus. And I believe that those three things, if we focus on that, those are some of the things that God's going to do during this year. But even beyond those things, our staff at both campuses sat down a few months ago and really started to seek the Lord and really even have some conversations about where we've been in ministry over the last you know, year or so at both campuses. And we came up with some ministry goals that we are trusting God for this next year. So beginning now, 2014, we're trusting God to do these things in 2014 at both of our campuses. The first of those things is we're looking for God to really save 250 people through our two campuses. Um, here at Canton, we're looking for about 50 of those folks just to salvation experiences. And again, we talked about what God's done. Um, we, we've seen about 200 salvations or so between campuses this year. I mean, we're looking for 250 salvations. We're trusting God for that in the next calendar year. Uh, we're also, even beyond that, looking for 100 baptisms. Baptisms for us is a big deal. We believe that that is the public demonstration of what's been going on privately, the life change that's taken place. When you trust God to say, I'm committing my life to you, that you would go public with that in baptism. Our next opportunity for baptism for our campus is January 26th. That's just a few weeks from now on a Sunday night. And so if you've experienced life change recently, you've committed your life to Christ, or maybe you've never been baptized, we encourage you to sign up and be a part of that. We're trusting God for 100 baptisms to represent that life change is happening in the lives of of people. Not just that, but we're looking for our average Sunday attendance between both campuses to increase by a hundred people per week. Now, here's how that works in church world. Raise your hand if you've never missed a week of church in 2013. Right? Okay, awesome. Right. I don't, th- we, I don't think we, I have. Have you not? I Maybe I? not. I don't know. Uh, I did last did Sunday. Never mind. Sorry. You're a sinner now. Um, so what that means is that for us to increase the average attendance, again, that's just a number. A hundred is just a number, except that that hundred represents a hundred new people that would be in our 
auditoriums, our sanctuaries, our kids' environments, our student environments, to really hear about the love of God on a weekly basis. So to really get an average of 100 people a week, we need about 200 people to really join us in active engagement of the church based on regular attendance patterns. And so we, we're, we're trusting God and believing, but even beyond that, we want to be a part of helping increase this number. And how can you do that? I want you to repeat this phrase after me. Be a bringer. Everybody say that. Be, be a bringer. A bringer. We're saying, hey, listen, I I may not know how to lead someone to Christ myself. And if you do, that's awesome. Do it. You're in that 3% of the population of Christians that says I have the gift of evangelism. But for the other 97%, maybe you don't know how to do that. But maybe you can just invite someone to a Sunday service or a Wednesday night student service or one of our outreach opportunities or special, uh, special events. But we encourage you, be a bringer. Help us to engage more people here in this community. And that's really for both of our campuses to see that average increase because every one of those numbers represents a life. Beyond the Sunday mornings, one of the goals that we have is for our life group participation. We're looking for an increase of 140 new people between our two campuses participating in life groups. Right now, that number is about 700. And I told you that at our campus over the last 12 months, we've had 140. This last semester, we were just under 100. So what we're looking for is just to grow that number by about 20% each semester. So just new people jumping in. Our life groups for this campus launch beginning February 2nd, Super Bowl Sunday. And over the course of those first three weeks of February, our life groups were launched. And we encourage you to be praying about that. How can I be involved in one of these groups? The last thing that we set as a goal is that we wanted to see um, some new volunteers at both of our campuses. We were looking for 150 new volunteers. Now, each of those things, you may look at that and you go, oh, that just sounds like more things to do at church. But all of this is connected to our vision. It's connected to who we are as a church and what we believe God is calling us to do and to be. And so 150 new volunteers is not just new people to come and help us set up the the school on a Sunday morning. There are serving opportunities throughout the week, Wednesday nights, life group leaders, outreach. But we're looking for 150 people that are not currently serving to say as a part of this church that I call home or I'm really trying to check out, I want to commit to be a part of using my passion, my gifts, my time to to invest in, in good soil, to invest in the ministry of the local church to reach new people. And so... Coming January 26th here at this campus, at both of our campuses, really, we're going to launch some things to talk about new efforts for volunteering and give you the opportunity, if you're not currently serving, to jump on board with that. But all of these are just numbers, right? They're just numbers, except that every one of these numbers represents a life. They represent a story. And all of these things are good, and they look good on paper. And I don't know how, when you read that, what you think. It excites me. It makes me so pumped up to think these are some of the things. These are just the starting places of what God could do through us and in us in this next year. But even beyond this, this is just our best effort to try to grasp what it is that God may be calling us to do or to focus on in this next year. But really, it's about more than this. It's about us focusing our attention to say, God, what do you want to do in and through me this next year? It's a lot of numbers. And as Pastor Jeremy's been saying, they're, they're just numbers. But they represent souls. They represent people. But beyond these numbers, and as ambitious as these numbers may be, beyond these numbers that we believe God's impressed upon us, we just didn't come together and just write a bunch of numbers down. We came together as a staff, and we prayed, and we looked, and we just saw where we were, and believed God was impressing upon us to believe for these numbers between both campuses, and to position ourselves with his guidance to accomplish this for the glory of his kingdom and the glory of his name. But beyond the numbers, 
that he, he wants to take us somewhere deeper. That the numbers really are not an end. The numbers are a means. We really sense that these are a means that God wants to use to, to really drive us, for lack of a better term, move us into a grander, greater, and glorious place in Him. And so I want to share for the next few moments that we have together, um, if, if, if there's a title to this sermon or sermonette or whatever it is, I would call it Beyond the Numbers. And just kind of look at what, what is God really saying to us? Can campus marry at a campus with these numbers? And I want to look at a story in Acts chapter 4. So if you happen to have a Bible and you want to turn there, you can. It's the fifth book of the New Testament, Acts is. We're going to be looking at the fourth chapter. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. All the scriptures we're going to look at are going to be on the screen. But let me very quickly just try to uh, uh, bring us to where this story is. Uh, Jesus Christ has, has resurrected. He's ascended to the right hand of God. The Holy Spirit has come upon the followers of Christ. The church has been birthed. And uh, uh, it's in Jerusalem. And Peter and John, who are some of the key pillar leaders of the early church, it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they're headed up to the temple in Jerusalem to pray. It's praying time. And so there's a throng of people headed into the temple to pray. Now, there's a lame beggar sitting at the temple gates, and he's been there basically all of his life. He was born lame. He's 40 years old. And for about all of his life, somebody has brought him to that gate to beg. And, and um, people know who he is. They pass him all the time. So as Peter and John are headed up into the temple and the, they come to this man, he begs for money. And they look at him and they say, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we give unto you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And they take him by the hand. And this is all in chapter 3. They take him by the hand and he's instantly healed. And man, they go into the temple courts and he's jumping and leaping and shouting and running and praising God. As you can imagine, the first time he's ever walked in his life, he's 40 years old. And the people know this guy and they know his story and they're in awe of what's happening. And they come to Peter and John and go, what is this all about? And then they begin to say that it's because of the resurrected Christ and his power that this man is healed. And the Jewish leaders that are there, they don't want to hear this. They've been trying to snuff out this whole Jesus thing. They've been trying to break, put this Jesus is alive thing to death. And so they come around and we pick up the story. In verse 1 of chapter 4, to really see beyond the numbers what, what the Lord is really maybe wanting us to go deeper into. Verse 1, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming, say proclaim. Proclaim. Proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And the first thing I think that God is wanting to do in us beyond the numbers is he wants to take us into a greater proclamation of Christ. That what we're really here for is to proclaim who Jesus Christ is. To unapologetically, unashamedly, unadulteratedly proclaim the truth and the message of the person and the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. Because that's the only thing that changes lives. I mean, Peter and John are saying this guy is healed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're proclaiming the gospel, the truth of Christ. And a whole bunch of folks accept Christ when they hear this message from Peter and John. On the day that the Holy Spirit came upon the church in Acts chapter 2. 
It's called the day of Pentecost. Simon Peter preached the first sermon of the church. 3,000 came to Christ. Now it's expanded to about 5,000 as we just read. And some of them came to Christ right here and there as they heard this message. Because that's what changes lives. It's this message and this proclamation of Jesus Christ. It's all we have to offer. It's it. Just like uh, John and Peter said, we don't have anything to give you. Only thing we got to give you is this. And the only thing that changes lives is Christ. I mean, we got to proclaim without any hesitation. He is the only way to God. Jesus Christ is the only one that restores us back into a relationship with God. Jesus Christ is the only one that can deal with the sin issues of our life. Jesus Christ is the only one that can heal us of the evil that's been done to us and the evil that we've done to others. Jesus Christ is the only one that really can put marriages back together. Jesus Christ is the one that restores children to their parents and parents back to their children. It is Jesus Christ who sets people free from drugs and alcohol. It is Jesus Christ that really instills in people true hope, true joy, true peace in a culture that is starving for what real joy and real peace and real love is all about. Whatever we are, whatever we do, it's got to be about Jesus Christ because he is the one who changes lives. That's right. 250 salvations, it's not going to come because we're good at church. It's going to become because Christ is exalted. That's what's going to make this happen. And look what happens with Peter and John. They get put in jail and the next day all the authorities gather together and they bring Peter and John back to him. And verse 18 says, They called him in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. I mean, they're being threatened. Their lives are being threatened. You do this, this is going to happen to you. And how do they respond? They say, look, you can threaten us all you want to. You're going to have to rip out our tongues. Even if you rip out our tongues, we can't help but talk about Christ. They were so compelled. They were under such compulsion. They said, this is who we are. This is, he is the one that makes us who we are. We can't help but talk about him. And man, when I read that, that so convicted me. Because I began to think, out of all of my conversations in a given day, how many of them are really God-directed? How many of them are God-inspired? How many of them are God-motivated? How many of them even consider the awareness of God? I have so many, it feels like to me, dead conversations in a given day. I want to be so compelled And I believe he's calling us in this campus in Marietta that, man, we want to be just so compelled about this message in our own lives and sharing this message that any time we gather in our corporate worship expression, when our children are gathering, when our youth are in the warehouse on Wednesday nights, whenever we're in life groups, wherever we are, we are going to have the compulsion to declare Jesus Christ Lord, that we want to do it creatively. We want to do it innovatively. We want to do it cutting edge. We want to do it with great practicality. We want to do it with great sensitivity. We want to do it with great relevancy. We want to do all of that. But the bottom line is Jesus Christ has to be proclaimed. Man, we can never go away from that. You know, I came across this story of a gentleman by the name of Stephen Grellett. 
And I had this in my files and I hadn't, I had forgotten about this story. And as I was putting my thoughts together for this particular, uh, whatever this is, uh, I came across this story. And, and Stephen Grellett was a, a 19th century uh, circuit rider, Quaker preacher. And he, he preached in the, on the West Coast. And, and one day he felt compelled of God to go to a certain lumberjack camp in Washington State. And, and uh, he just couldn't get away from it. He, wanted, he knew God wanted him to go there and preach. So he goes to this lumberjack camp thinking, I'm going to be preaching a revival. He was, man, he was so compelled of God. He knew, man, they're, oh, they're going to be coming to Christ left and right. He comes into the lumberjack camp. It's empty. Nobody's there. So he thinks, well, they must be on the mess hall. So he goes into the mess hall. It's totally empty. And he's thinking, what's going on? But he felt so compelled of God. He preached his heart out for 40 minutes to an empty mess hall. Talked about Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the way to forgiveness. Jesus has got to be Savior and Lord. He gave an invitation and prayed a benediction. Walked out feeling like satisfied he had obeyed God, but totally confused as to what was that all about. Years later, thousands of miles from Washington State, he's standing on the London Bridge in London, England. He feels this heavy hand on his shoulder. He turns around. There's this huge guy standing there. He says, are you Stephen Grellett? He said, yes, I am. He said, do you remember years ago speaking to an empty mess hall in a lumberjack camp in Washington State? And he said, yes, I do. He said, I have been looking for you for years, tracking you all over the world. He said, what you don't know is I was the foreman of that lumberjack camp. We were all out cutting timber when you were there. He said, I came back into the mess hall to get a new axe and I heard you preach. He said, I was standing behind a stack of wood and you didn't even see me. I was too ashamed to step out, but the message of Christ penetrated my heart and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He said, I went back and told the lumberjacks that story. He said, three of my fellow lumberjacks came to Christ with me on that day. He said, I want to tell you, all four of us are preaching the gospel as missionaries and evangelists around this world. And I wanted to tell you, thank you for being obedient. Do not underestimate or underrate the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But even more so, do not underestimate or underrate yourself in sharing that message. The proclamation of Christ. But then, look what happens next in verse something. 23. Thank you. It says, on their release. Now, they've been released from the authorities. And they've been threatened. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Beyond the numbers, what I believe God has taken us to is a greater proclamation of Christ and a greater prayer life to God. Prayer is going to be so key. And you know what's amazing to this this story to me? Is that these guys, they are being threatened. They are getting this message of opposition against them. They are, they are, they are, the, the people are rising up, or at least the authorities are rising up against them. Told them, you, it's going to be bad news if you keep doing this. And what's their first response to this bad news, to this difficult situation, is prayer. They were first responder prayers. Now, I just got to openly confess. This is, this is pastor confession right here and right now. I always raised my hand. I didn't attend. I didn't attend all the services. So I've already confessed that I, I'm, not a, I'm not a regular t- church attender. So here's open confession. When I get bad news, when I get news of opposition, when I get news of difficulty, when I get news of hardship, I just have to tell you, my first response isn't prayer. It's anger sometimes. It's impatience sometimes. 
It's frustration sometimes. It's fear sometimes. It's worry sometimes. It's anxiety sometimes. I'm just going to be honest with you. Prayer sometimes is the last thing I do after I've messed everything up because of my anger, impatience, and fear. Am I talking to anybody in the room right now? You, you are clapping at my incompetence. Is that what you're doing? I'm hurt deep. I mean, think about it. These guys, their lives are being threatened. And first response is prayer. You know, first responders on an emergency scene, the, the, the uh, law enforcement, firefighters or paramedics, whatever, the decisions they make in that first response on an emergency scene can make the difference between life and death. Think about that a moment. Our first response to bad news. How do we respond often? These guys responded in prayer and their lives are on the line, but their prayer is amazing to me. Look at their prayer in verse 24, middle of the verse. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You know what they're saying? You're in control. These guys that are threatening us, they think they're in control, but we know you're in control. Can I tell you, that's what prayer does for us. Prayer recenters us back in understanding. He's the one that's in control. It's not the bad news around us. It's not the difficulty around us. It's not the hardship that's coming into our lives. He's the one that's in control. And man, that's what prayer does. It recenters us to see he's the one in charge. Not the stuff I'm dealing with, because listen to me. If we're really serious about proclaiming Christ, if we're really serious about being a people that's really going to seek him in prayer, we can rest assured opposition is going to rise against us. You can just count on it. Opposition is going to come into our lives. There is stuff happening in our culture, in this nation right now, more and more trying to disenfranchise Christianity. That's trying to really snuff out the whole message of Christ, especially in the public square. We're just going to have to know that that's going to happen to us if we're really serious about this message and this person of Jesus Christ. And they're saying, hey, we see the threats, but you're in control. And then look how they pray. They begin to say, you spoke, verse 25, by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Talking about King David. And now they begin to quote a psalm that David wrote hundreds of years earlier. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. David wrote hundreds of years earlier that there was always going to be people that would rise up against God and his anointed one. And the anointed one is Christ. Anointed, Christ means anointed one. That's the Messiah. That's what it means, the anointed one. And they're saying, hey, we knew this in advance. You told us. And they're seeing it right there in their own lives. They're rising up against Christ. They saw it when Christ was crucified. And all this is happening. And they're saying, you're the one that's in control. And then look how they pray. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats... And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That, that's amazing to me. They didn't say, oh God, help us. Oh God, protect us. They didn't say, oh God, do something to them. You know what the prayer was? As they get bold, make us bolder. As they get courageous, make us more courageous. As they get more emphatic, make us more emphatic. They're saying we want to meet their boldness with a greater boldness of who you are. Man, what a prayer. And maybe for some of us, as, as Jeremy just mentioned a moment ago, 3% of the folks are, have the gift of evangelism. Those folks evangelize, they, they, they tell the Lord to anything. I mean, they, they speak to trees, to birds, I mean, anything. <laughs> they just tell Jesus to everybody. That's in their DNA. 97% of us, that's a challenge. And boldness is something maybe we need the Lord to help us with. And being a bringer, the boldness. Hey, that's what he's saying, pray for boldness. And then look at the next thing. 
Verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Who in here isn't in need of a miracle? Who in here isn't in need of something that is beyond everybody else's ability to do? It's beyond doctors, it's beyond financial folks, it's beyond everybody else. It's going to take a miracle of God. Who within your sphere of influence doesn't need a miracle? Man, what would it be like to see the miracles of God unleashed within this campus? Would that be awesome? We want to pray for the miracles of God to be unleashed within this place and within the Marietta campus. But here's what it boils down to in this prayer. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When you get right down to the bottom line of this prayer, it's all for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because it's in the Holy Spirit that Christ comes alive in people's lives. And that's really the next part of this beyond the numbers. That I believe he's really driving us to. This proclamation of Christ and this greater prayer towards God. But it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that makes Jesus alive. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that truly brings the healing presence and power of God. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. If we don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit, nothing else really matters. That's the deal. And these aren't three mutually exclusive things. As we proclaim Christ unapologetically, unashamedly, the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to be here. And it's going to move us to greater prayer and desire for God. As we have a greater desire for God, the the greater boldness to proclaim Him and to really sense the presence of God is going to happen. As the presence of God is more and more in our lives, individually and corporately, going to Him in prayer and proclaiming Christ becomes greater and easier in our lives. They're interrelated. But look at the outcome. Look at the outcome of what happens here. Look at what happens with these folks. Verse 32. And I'm closing with this. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. Look at that. Let that sink in a moment. When with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Let that sink in a moment. No needy people within their body. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. This, this is community we're talking about. That's what's happening here. This is the serving of others. That's the outcome here. You know, this isn't just some gathering of people. This isn't just some little church group. You know what this is? This is a movement. This is a movement happening here. Nobody in need among them. Now, I'm not saying go out, sell your house, and bring the money to us. I'm not Unless God tells you to do that. Amen. Bottom line. You know what I see happening here? It's an explosion of generosity. It's an explosion of generosity. The generosity of kindness, generosity of compassion, generosity of care, generosity of sharing time with others, generosity of serving, generosity of giving. It's an explosion of generosity. That's what's happening. We heard Matt's story and the idea of the micro-relationships, the generosity of people taking time with one another. That's what 
changes life. That's how people see Jesus more and more is when they come into contact with a group of people that are so sold out to Christ. They're at a place where they say, you know what? I'm not the owner of my life. He's the owner of my life. Everything I have is available to him. Because here's the deal. There's no way to walk with Christ more and more and be a selfish, stingy person. It just can't happen. It's impossible. God is the greatest, most generous being ever. He gave us himself in Christ and he gave us himself in the Holy Spirit. And when his people get a hold of that, generosity explodes and it becomes a movement. Generosity to proclaim and share Christ in tangible ways in the presence of God. Father or non Christ Father. They were somewhat decent friends. They would share um, lawnmowers and that type of thing. They would help one another. And the non Christ Father, his wife, was diagnosed with cancer. Three months later, she died. And the non Christ Father tells this story of what happened in his life because of the follower of Christ. This is what he says. He says, I was in total despair. I went through the funeral preparations in the service like I was in a trance. After the service, I went to the path along the river and walked all night. I did not walk alone. My neighbor, afraid for me, I guess, stayed with me all night. He did not speak. He did not even walk beside me. He just followed me. When the sun finally came up over the river, he came over to me and said, let's go get some breakfast. I go to church now, my neighbor's church. Listen to this. A religion that can produce that kind of care and love that my neighbor showed me is something I want to find out more about. I want to be like that. I want to love and be loved like that for the rest of my life. That's the type of place and people that these numbers God is using to drive us and move us to become. I want to invite you, and I know this may feel a little awkward, just to take the hand, person on your left and right, if you can move even across these aisles together. We sang a moment ago a simple chorus, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I would like for Sean just to lead us in that and then we're going to pray one for the other. Let's just let the Holy Spirit continue to do what He wants to do in the next few moments. Lead us, Sean, if you would. Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite you just to pray for that person on your left right now. You may not even know who they are. 
But God knows who they are. God knows what their need is. And just pray God's blessing over them right now. Just pray. Just pray that the the presence of the Holy Spirit will just penetrate their lives like never. Pray that the person of Christ will become so real to them. Pray that the power of prayer will become so, so active within their lives. Let's just believe one for the other right now. We are a community together that there would be an explosion of generosity of the love of God and the compassion of Christ and the care and the comfort of the Holy Spirit that would just be unleashed within this campus. That anybody that walks into this place would know God is here and there's something different. Let's just believe that one for the other right now. Father, we pray that in Jesus' name. We pray for each other, God. We may not even know that person right now, but God, unleash your presence and power. Open up our hearts to a greater sense of you, God. Father, may 2014 be different than 2013, as great as 2013 was, or maybe as bad as it was for some of us. May 2014 just be filled with the presence of you, God. Father, as they prayed in the early church, release, Father God, miracles and signs and wonders into your people, God. We pray for those that are standing here in need of a miracle, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the resurrected Christ, heal, make whole, do the miracle that can be done, Father God. Raise our faith to trust you, to do amazing things, God. Father, may the presence and the power and the person of Christ be proclaimed in all of our lives. Father, give us the boldness. Give us the boldness, Father, to walk in him, to stand in him, to speak, God, to one another and to those that don't know you, Lord. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your presence would so flood this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in the lives of our marriages, our parents and children, our businesses, our work lives, God. It's you and you alone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Sing it out to him. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit.